0: well good morning church it's awesome and it's an honor to be with you in your households this morning looks like you guys got some work done during covid did some renovations or maybe it's just a hot mess because you don't have to clean it up i don't know Um, but anyway it's an honor to be in your house and um, bless you hi kids I love you, children. Um, All right, well, let's get into this. We are in a series called Revive, and Pastor Kurt has been um, bringing some awesome messages to us, and he has been really exploring and um, felt like God impressed it on his heart to make sure that City Lights Church, that we're not Just Christians who are used to church and in shape for church as usual, as normal, and we go to conferences and we go to do our Christian life. He wants his church to be ready for a move of God. For revival. He wants us to be revival fit. And Pastor Cruz talked about this um, for six weeks. This is week seven. I'm gonna continue in this vein. Um, this morning, my message is called The Anointed Church. Last week, he spoke about the Victorious Church. And how many of you know if we're victorious, we are also anointed in this hour? Amen and amen. Um, I'm going to get into the message about what Jesus' mission statement is. What Jesus was about is what I want to be about, What is what I want my legacy to be about. If the head is doing something, how many of you know Jesus is the head of the church? That if the head is the thinking thoughts and doing things, that the body should line up with what the head is doing. And that is my heart, that we would flow with Jesus in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, so last week, I, I would highly recommend, if you haven't checked out Pastor Kurt's message on the Victorious Church, to do so. It was a very good message. And he took us to um, the book of Matthew, and Jesus asked his disciples the most important question of all. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And this time, this time, Peter got the answer right. (laughs) Peter um, said to Jesus, you are the Messiah, or the Christ, or the anointed one. Did you know that that's what Messiah and Christ, what they mean in the Greek and the Hebrew, is He is the anointed one, the chosen one, the prophet, priest, and King. Jesus is the one, the Messiah that everything talked about. He Peter said, you are the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, awesome, that's right. Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, that's another name for Peter, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Peter nailed it. He had a revelation of who Jesus was, because he got to tap into the thoughts of Father God in the unseen realm. And this morning, I really, I really just want to keep drilling this fact that we need to see what the Father is seeing and saying in our, in our ears, in our eyes, in our mind, in our spirits, and not be looking at flesh and blood. Because flesh and blood and the reality of this world around us cannot actually reveal to us the things of the kingdom. That's being revival fit. Learning to discern and get revelation from Father in heaven. And how many of you want revelation from the Father in heaven? I do. I do. And the funny, this is just like all of us. Did Peter get it right all the time? Well, absolutely not. Because we know that in six verses, six verses later in the same chapter, this this guy who had this revelation from the Father in heaven totally blew it. And Jesus actually rebukes him because he's operating out of the wrong spirit. Six verses later, I'm going to let you look that up. But the same guy who has this heavenly revelation can just blow it. And how many of you sometimes blow it? I want to get better about it. Help us, Lord, right? Well, did you guys know that an entire town had a moment like Peter, where the Father in heaven was revealing something to a town. And then in a moment, they blew it and they missed out because they started thinking with flesh and blood and the carnal mind. Let's go there. I want you guys to turn with me to Luke 4. Luke 4. It's a good one. I'll give you a little context here. This is very early in Jesus' ministry, his public ministry. He was water baptized in uh, chapter 3 by his cousin John. He was publicly blessed by the Father. He came out of the water. The Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And the Father said, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased and then it says that in chapter 4, Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, he went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, where he was sustained supernaturally by his Father. He was sustained and ministered to by angels, while the enemy tried to tempt him, tried to get him to get off point, to, uh, to, to start to look at the things in this realm. His Father in heaven sustained him from a realm that was unseen. And from that place, after 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. (laughs) But he was also full of the power of the Holy Spirit resting upon him. After that much time, just with Father God, an intimate relationship just with him. Can you imagine not being bombarded with all the internet and all the things, and just having 40 days sustained by your Father supernaturally? Well, that's what happened with Jesus. So for Jesus, it was really easy for him to hear what the Father was saying, because that was the only thing that was important to him. So he came in, filled with the Holy Spirit. There started to be rumors about this man as he went through Galilee. And then he came to his hometown, uh, where he was raised, in Nazareth. And that is where I want to pick up this story. I want you to go to Luke four 16. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, because uh, I like it better, ...than my normal NIV in this instance. So Luke uh, 4.16, speaking of Jesus. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read. And he was handed a book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written... Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Luke 420 here. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all the eyes who were in the synagogue were fixed or fastened on him and he began to say to them today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing so all bore witness to him and they marveled at his great, at the gracious words which he which proceeded out of his mouth and they said is this not joseph's son This is such a powerful picture, if you can imagine Jesus returning to his hometown with his friends, his family, where he grew up. And he comes to tell his people his mission statement in life, why, why the Messiah came. Why did God anoint him? Why was he chosen for this hour? And he makes it very plain. He pulls the book of Isaiah, that's the scroll, and he goes to a place that Isaiah had prophesied about this chosen one, this anointed one, 650 to 700 years before Jesus read it. Jesus reads this beautiful, powerful prophecy. He he, he got the attention. It says that everyone in the room bore witness. Well, that's kind of Christian-y. But what that means is in their conscience, in their spirit, in their guts, they were struck with the truth. And there was power and grace in the words of this man that was not on any other of the teachers. It always said each spoke with grace and authority. There was a witness. There was a realm, the Father, revealing to the heart of humankind what his grace and power was on, they, their eyes were fixed on him. They marveled at his gracious words. So that was just like Peter. They were like, wow, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. But then what happens? Their natural mind, their carnal thoughts remembered, wait a minute, wait a minute. Isn't that Jesus? Isn't he Joseph's boy? Isn't he a carpenter's son? They started looking at him through the eyes of, wait a minute. They started rationalizing. They started thinking with their flesh and blood, with their memories. And they started undermining that revelation by carnal thoughts. In Luke 4.24, Jesus actually addresses this. If you jump down a few more verses, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And I believe this phrase we all know, familiarity breeds contempt. We become so familiar with things and with people that we actually discount the anointing on their life because we remember their past. We remember them growing up and immature and walking through things, and we forget that they could be carrying the very spirit of God to change our lives. We miss out. So just like Peter he, they first, they bore witness and they got it. But unfortunately, an entire town missed out on the miracles, on the anointing and the power of God in a city because they stepped back into the carnal mind and they were too familiar with somebody they knew so long. And how many of you do this with yourself? How many of you encounter God and think, I am a daughter, I am a son, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, God does a revelation in our heart. We leave, we get surrounded in our home and we remember, oh, I, I remember what I did yesterday. I mean, surely God's mad at me for that. I remember who I really am, who, who this world says I am, and we talk ourselves out of the correct identity and what our Father says. So I believe to be an anointed church, to be a church who knows Jesus' mission statement, guys, we have to know the things of the Holy Spirit. We have to know the realm that the Father says over us. We have to be in agreement with Jesus. We cannot look at this from our carnal minds. And some of you need to probably stop Googling everything and ask the Holy Spirit for things. You know, And I'm, te- I'm teaching myself, really. I have honestly felt bombarded by information, bombarded by the era that we live in. I am thankful for it. I love it. I wouldn't want to live in any other era. But guys, there is a war. There is a battle for our conscience to say, oh, I know the history of that. I could Google that. But what about what the voice of God is saying in a moment? What about what the Holy Spirit is anointing in a moment? I just don't want to miss out, guys. Pastor Kurt talked about Kronos moments and Kairos moments. And we can truly miss out by using our rational intellect to miss the things of God. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I don't want to be so knowledgeable that I miss the love of God, which would build up a whole room. Just by being smart and researched and, and intense you know, with correct things. I want the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. All right. So this is Jesus' mission statement. And I, I just want to say, if Jesus said this is his, what he came to do, what he was anointed to do, like I said before, if he is the head of the church, the body needs to follow This needs to be our mission statement as an individual, as a body, as a church, because Jesus came and was anointed for a purpose. It wasn't just this, oh, ethereal, Jesus loves. It was like, nope, he's actually got a mission. He wants to, it says he he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to dismantle the works of the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to do the opposite, okay? Okay. I'm going to remind you, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What it means there with the poor is anyone in in lack. And the word um, preach, that Jesus came to preach, that's actually where we get our word evangelize. He came to evangelize. Well, I think we've kind of missed it with this word evangelize. And to preach the gospel is is to bring good tidings from God. It actually gives you a, a feeling. The gospel is good news, but it's it's to, to declare the goodness and the kindness of God to mankind. It's like this era in in the world. These Jews had not heard from God since you know six hundred years or something like that. God was silent, and the Spirit of the Lord came on Jesus to say, "This is." what God is saying he's saying I'm bringing glad tidings I'm bringing salvation this is the gospel Jesus is saying God's kindness is going to be revealed to you to the poor to those lacking anything he has sent me to heal when he comes to heal he comes to figuratively heal and, and literally to make you whole body and soul and spirit He came to heal the brokenhearted. How many of you have been brokenhearted, crushed, deeply afflicted, shattered, bruised? Jesus came to heal your broken heart. And even if you haven't experienced a traumatic broken heart, listen, apart from the love of God, you are totally broken. Apart from Him, even on your best day, you're broken, you're utterly destitute. You are broken, you are poor. Without the love of Jesus, without the Savior, he came to bring healing. He came to proclaim, as news from an official messenger, liberty and release to the captives. I love this. So the captives um, talks about prisoners of war and those who are tormented by the enemy, by the evil spirits. He came to bring freedom. He came to give a recovery of sight to the blind. Listen. Listen. He wants to heal actual physical blind eyes. And he also wants to heal and bring sight to our spiritual eyes. And that word, the blind, it, the picture is so, so interesting. It's just like opaqueness or, or covered in blackness or smoke. And God wants to take away that blindness, that dullness from your spirit and bring sight and, and, and vision to your life. He wants to give liberty and release from bondage and imprisonment and release forgiveness to those who are oppressed. If you're oppressed, you're bruised, broken into pieces. You've been hit hard by calamity. And then he says he wants to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is so cool because that year of the Lord, Jesus is referencing um, what was called the the year of Jubilee in Leviticus. And the year of Jubilee came every 50 years to the Israelites because God wanted it to be a year where um, the land that had been mortgaged was returned to its owner. All debts were forgiven and Israelite slaves were released and freed. Guys, Jesus stepped into this time where people didn't have any connection to God. They were lost, broken, destitute, poor, filled with smoke in their brains, couldn't see or hear anything. And he said, I want to set you free. I want to cancel every debt. This is the year of Jubilee. This is the year of God's favor toward mankind he is here to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is so powerful because in, in the, the Isaiah 61, when Jesus was referencing this portion of scripture, in Isaiah 61, it doesn't stop at the acceptable year of the Lord. There's another sentence. It actually says in the Old Testament, the day of vengeance of our God. And if you notice, Jesus didn't say that part. And that's for a purpose. Because he's saying this season, when he came in the first coming here, when he was born, this is the year where you can get right with God and there is favor for you to be healed. There is favor for you where God has placed freedom in in your court he's saying this is the time and guys we're still in that season until that second coming and then that is the day of vengeance of our God where things there will be an account there will be justice there is a future coming of the day of vengeance of our God but listen Jesus came to bring freedom and we're in that season still all right so if this is what Jesus is about this is what I want to be about? How many of you at home want to be about what Jesus was about? How do we become the anointed church flowing with the mission of Jesus? As I was praying for this, I really felt like the Holy Spirit said, Emily, it has to be personal. And so my first point, real quick, we're going to go through how do we become the anointed church? Number one, we personalize. We personalize. We personalize this. You have to make it personal. It's not, um, when we read the Bible, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, good news, Jesus brought good news. If it's just a concept or an idea, it's not personal. How can you ever set someone free? If all you know is you know about what Jesus did. If you don't know that he actually set you free. Like, have you ever thought, Jesus, you, you came to proclaim favor to me. You came to tell me that God had good things for me. You came to set me free to heal my broken heart. And it's important to personalize and remember what he's brought you through. I was remembering a time where I literally got delivered from a spirit of fear. I was in torment. I, um, When I was a teenager, I had an ulcer. I was very, very insecure. I would have trouble sleeping sometimes because I just was tormented in my mind. I did not have peace. And I know it was a spirit of fear that was tormenting me. And I'll never forget, there was a night I was with some friends, we were worshiping God, and I straight up got delivered of a spirit of fear in a moment. Jesus set me free. And listen, that thing has never come back on me. The the Bible says in Isaiah also that the anointing breaks the yoke. When the anointing of the Holy Spirit, when the anointed one comes in and says, no more, I am destroying the works of the devil, you can get set free. What is the yoke? A yoke is not just part of an egg. Different yoke. It's hard to hear you laughing at home, but I know you're laughing. <clears throat> a yoke, as many of you know, um, was the harness that, that put together two oxen to pull a heavy burden or a heavy load um, across a field or to plow. Now, it would either be... Um, made of wood or made of metal, but it was the harness that yoked two animals together. And when they would pull, it was a heavy, heavy load, a heavy burden that they didn't decide to carry. It was put on them by their taskmaster. There was an oppressive burden that they just didn't have a choice. They were whipped. I have to do this. I have to carry this heaviness. Okay, The enemy will try to put oppression on you and yoke you together with that and put this load on you and say, go. And what happens when the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God comes in, it says it breaks the yoke. And then what happens when you get set free is you start growing. You start maturing in God. You become more and more like him. And listen, the enemy will come and try to put that back on you. But listen, you will be too big to fit that yoke you will have grown in your spirit, man, to where that yoke doesn't fit on you anymore. Because Jesus broke it. You have to make it personal. You have to have your own personal story of deliverance from Jesus if you want to set the cactus free like he did. And I want to set people free. So make it personal. If, if, if that looks like a, a series of like years of you saying, I need to go to counseling. I need help. I need freedom. I don't want to walk in oppression. Yes, it can come in a moment. It can happen in a prayer. It can happen in a sozo. But sometimes these things take time for you to grow and with the Holy Spirit. So I just want to say, don't just get through this and move forward. Make your life a journey of freedom to lay hold of everything that Jesus gave to you and look for. Make it a mission that before you start saying, I want to heal everyone, let him heal you. Let it be personal. Okay. Number two, how do we become an anointed church and make Jesus' mission statement our mission statement? We internalize. So I was thinking about this. So personalize and then you internalize. This is where it becomes to your bones, to your core, this is the truth. This is more true than what I see. The Father's words, I have internalized them so much that his thoughts are my thoughts. We internalize it. The definition of internalize is if you internalize something such as a belief or a set of values, you make it become part of your attitude or your way of thinking. I want to internalize the mission, motives, and values of Jesus so much that they become my attitude. They become my way of thinking. Amen? So we want to internalize. And Jesus is so powerful and so beautiful. He wants to walk with us and teach us as we wrestle through these things. And this is such a beautiful thing about the Lord Jesus. It says he wants us to come to him as we process this because he wants to teach us what he's like so that our mission isn't this gritting my teeth, observing it. He's saying, come close to me. Watch this. Matthew 11, 28 through 30 Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary, burdened, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So you contrast the yoke, the heavy burden of sin and slavery, and brokenness that makes you weary and weighed down that the taskmaster puts on you versus Jesus' yoke. He wants you to be yoked to him because his yoke is easy. His burden is, is light. And the picture here, if you will, is when there are um, there's a new small um, cow learning to, to pull a yoke and pull a load, they get paired up with a very experienced and very strong ox, and that ox, they match him up, but the, the strong ox is carrying most of the load while the other one is just walking next to and learning. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, let me do the heavy lifting. My yoke, it's so easy if you walk with me and you learn from me. It's so easy. My burden is light for you. He wants you to just walk in step with him, internalize, work this stuff out. He is gentle and humble. He will put that inside of you, and it's not heavy, and it's not hard, and he'll do all the work. So we need to do this. We need to wrestle over truth and let him do all the heavy lifting until our thoughts are his thoughts, and we internalize who he is and what he's like and how he responds to the world. Yeah? All right. And number three, my last point is we externalize. So first we personalize, then we internalize, we learn from Jesus into our bones, and then listen, there's an overflow, there's an externalization that happens. All we're doing, all we're doing if we do the proper steps to flow in the anointing is all we're doing is giving an expression outward to a reality that's already inward, Okay, When you're expressing the move of the Holy Spirit, when you're moving with God, there is not some like, oh, I've got to do this, and now is the time where I run, and now is the time where I do that. No, 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 no. I've already got the fireworks of God happening on the inside of me because it's in me. And I'm just giving expression. And I'm just saying, man, that's a poor person. God, you came to comfort and to, to uh, minister to the poor. Oh, man, there's someone with a broken heart from the inside of me. I know the anointing of God came to heal the brokenhearted. So I'm going to step out and heal the brokenhearted because he healed my broken heart. I'm going to set free captives because I have been set free. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 17, as he is in this world, so are we. As he is, so are we in this world. So the Bible puts this responsibility, Jesus puts this responsibility to say, church, As Jesus is, that's how you should be in this world. Like, we need to externalize an unseen realm. We need to know what the head of the church, Jesus, is saying and doing. And we need to be his body and externalize a reality that comes from the voice of the Father. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to process. We don't want to think. We want our heart and our connection with the Holy Spirit to drive out the works of the enemy, to bring captives freedom in Jesus' name. So my prayer is, God, give us eyes to see a world full of problems through the lens of your kingdom, through possibility. And that should be our prayer. God, give me eyes to see the world full of problems through the lens of the kingdom from the Father's voice, full of possibility in Jesus' name. Yeah. I've heard it said, we owe the world an encounter with the life-changing power of God. We come to bring the good news of heaven, We come to the poor, to those in lack, and bring them good news. We come and we heal the brokenhearted. We come and we proclaim freedom to the captives. We, we come and we give recovery of sight to the blind. We give liberty to the oppressed, and we proclaim this is the acceptable year of the Lord. By the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, In this world, we are as he is, and we bless our world. So church, I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for your anointing that was on Jesus, that he is the anointed one. I thank you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of us. I thank you that you've anointed us to move in the mission of Jesus, that as the body, we will follow the head. We will be about the thoughts and the mind and the motives of the Lord Jesus in this earth God, let us be a tangible movement on this earth to destroy the works of the devil. God, to see people the way that you see them, God. You always had a heart for the broken, for the bruised, for the disenfranchised, for the broken and the poor. God, I thank you for your heart for mankind. Let us move like you did, God. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.